In 2020, Democrats took full control of Washington. And it will give Democrats control of the Senate. Joe Biden has been elected. But Republicans stood up in the states. There was no blue wave. Democratic down-ballot disasters carried all the way to the state legislatures. Now, we're the last line of defense against the Democrats' socialist agenda. The ways we're fighting back are bigger than you think. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to It's Bigger Than You Think, a conversation about the politics that most impact our daily lives. This is episode 25. I'm your host, Annie Moore. And joining me today is Alfredo Ortiz. He is the president and CEO of the Jobs Creator Network. And we're going to be talking all things inflation, economy, and small business. So Alfredo, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Okay, so to start things off, can you kind of talk about what the Jobs Creator Network is and, you know, how you got involved with it? Yeah, absolutely. The Job Creators Network is actually a fantastic national pro small business advocacy organization that, as we like to say, we're unabashedly pro-capitalism, pro-free enterprise. Uh, And we were really out there advocating for the 60 million small businesses that operate Uh, excuse me, 30 million businesses that operate out there with 60 million employees, roughly. So it's a huge community and our entire country is extremely dependent on our small business. It's the backbone of our country. And how did you get involved? Can you talk about your role? Yeah, absolutely. So I uh, have actually led Job Creators Network for about eight years. It's been around for about 10 years. It was started by probably one of the greatest entrepreneurs in our time, uh, Bernie Marcus, who started the Home Depot. And he actually started with just two stores in Atlanta. And look at today, it employs almost 450,000 people. So it's a great American dream story. And it's reason why, you know, people from all over the country come to this America to really live their American dream. What are some recent initiatives that y'all have taken on to advocate for small businesses when the economy has been pretty rough here recently? Yeah, so um, over the uh, past several years, uh, under the Trump administration, uh, for example, we really fought for the Tax and Jobs Act. And we really fought for the tax cut specifically for the small businesses that was in there. And even the 20% tax deduction, that was a big part of why businesses were able to go out there and buy equipment because of the opportunity to really depreciate, take that right off their taxes year one. Those were two very, very important parts of the Tax and Jobs Act. Uh, I worked uh, with Secretary Mnuchin, for example, on the Paycheck Protection Program uh, and getting that uh, up and running uh, and really kind of bringing in the entire uh, private uh, banking sector into that uh, because it was originally conceived as just having the SBA uh, manage it and and actually have the SBA do the entire process. And so we saw that as potentially being disastrous. So we really got involved in that part. And just recently, we actually kicked off a project called the Great Opportunity Project which is really a fantastic way of highlighting the incredible work of our governors, Republican governors across the country who did such an incredible job of managing their states during the COVID crisis and really post-COVID, which is why we also see incredible unemployment rates in those states and incredible growth in those states. They were really able to balance the health of their citizens along with the health of their actual economies. Yeah, that's awesome. We're definitely going to touch on that a little bit more later. But one thing that the media is talking about, really, it's all over the place recently, over the past six months, maybe longer, um, has been inflation. So what do you think is causing inflation? And how has it been affecting small businesses as opposed to how it affects corporations? Yeah, well, one thing we know for sure, it's not transitory. And so we know what President Biden had tried to sell along with the rest of the administration was a bunch of malarkey one of his favorite words. Um, And it's just been absolutely disastrous for our small businesses. 
Um, I mean, for, uh, you know, everybody across the country, it's been really, really a major issue. Um, it's a real kitchen table economic type of uh, discussion point for families all across the country. But for small businesses, it's been extremely, extremely difficult. You know, if you look at the two most recent uh, economic data points uh, that we've seen in terms of the consumer price index or called the CPI or the producer price index, the PPI, which is really what uh, manufacturers uh, really pay for their goods and services. I mean, the PPI is double digits, almost 11%. And not too far behind it is the CPI, eight and a half percent. You know, the Biden administration, just in the most recent numbers released on Friday and jobs growth, they were touting the job growth and really trying to downplay, of course, the inflation aspect of that. But look, Americans are actually getting a what we like to call the Biden pay cut, while Donald Trump was really doing a, you know, pretty much a, a tax cut. Biden is really doing a pay cut because if you have eight and a half percent, eight and a half percent inflation on this hand and five and a half percent wage growth, you're actually negative. And so this has been disastrous for Americans. But again, for small businesses, it's just been a nightmare. You combine that, of course, with the labor shortages and supply chain issues. It's like the trifecta of issues that the Biden administration has really been able to uh, uh, orchestrate over their administration. You mentioned this a little bit a second ago, but why do you think that the Biden admin and his team, they first tried to minimize inflation by calling it transitory and a high class problem? Well, look, I mean, that's one thing that Democrats love doing is just spinning, uh, spinning the data, spinning the facts. I think they just think that the American public is just stupid. Um, And I think they're quickly finding out that all the lies and all the malarkey, again, as Biden loves calling it, all that is coming to roost for them. People aren't buying it. People are not at all uh, uh, agreeing with some of the the ridiculous uh, uh, points that the White House is putting out. I mean, look at the most recent uh, polling data that's come out, whether it's Quinnipiac, whether it's, you know, Fox News. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, about 60 to 70 percent, depending on which poll you're looking at, of Americans don't believe that Biden is doing a good job managing the economy. Yeah, it's definitely going to have an impact on elections this year and likely even in 2024 if it continues to go this way. Um, How has the Biden administration made life more difficult for small business owners? Yeah, well, unfortunately, it's what they haven't really done at all, which is really support small businesses. Um, If you remember one of the first questions uh, at the beginning of the Biden administration regarding small businesses that Jen Psaki, the press secretary at the White House, was asked, was what have you done or what are you doing for small businesses? And her answer was, we hired a woman. I mean, I'm sorry, that's fantastic, but that's not a great thing to just basically put a period on and say, that's all we've done. I mean, these small businesses have been pummeled. People say, oh, well, you know, they extended the Paycheck Protection Program, which helped, you know, some people. Well, that was actually a a program, as I very well know, was a program under the Trump administration. And so outside of that, the only thing that the Biden administration has done for small businesses is really hurt those small businesses, especially starting with, you know, the, 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 the assault on our debt, domestic energy production, which really was the, the main culprit of these rising energy prices. In some cases, you know, 50% uh, across the board on heating and oil. Um, so that's been a horrific, horrific uh, uh, policy of the, domest- of, of the Biden administration, but then not being able to tackle the supply chain issue. I mean, that's another major issue that has created, uh, you know, uh, chaos for our small businesses or frankly, paying people to stay home. 
that labor shortage was yet another issue created by the Biden administration. So again, this is the trifecta of, of issues affecting our small businesses across the country. You've touched on a handful of policy issues. If you were in charge and you could pass one policy or get rid of one regulation that would really help small businesses right here, right now, what would it be and why? Well, drill baby drill right here and right now, because that yeah. is what it, it, it started with that. If you remember the Keystone Excel pipeline, day one cancellation. Day one. And frankly, it was the assault because what people aren't uh, really hearing much about, and we should really try to do a better job of letting America uh, know what is going on, is that they have basically uh, made funding, uh, excuse me, banks really providing credit to a lot of folks involved in the oil uh, energy production, whether it's drillers or anything else. They have really frozen the, the, the capital markets and the credit markets for these businesses. And so, um, you know, in many cases, uh, a lot of banks just aren't lending to these folks. And so it's difficult for them to really uh, go in any further than they really are without that kind of uh, access to, to credit. And frankly, you know, when you look at all these leases and stuff like that, that, uh, you know, the Biden administration, again, erroneously says, you know, are out there and it's just the industry isn't choosing to use them. I mean, just because you have a license doesn't mean you can actually keep moving forward. You have to go through the entire permitting process and they make that permitting process disastrous for these businesses. And so, look, it's really clear that from day one um, and even on the election trail uh, that uh, Biden had, was, was fully intending to, to go full out against the energy, uh, energy production domestically. And this is the result now is this record high inflation because it really starts from there. Everything needs energy, right? Everything in our lives takes energy. And so when those prices go up 50%, when those costs are going up 50%, I, I mean, it's just gonna be a trickle down effect all the way down to the consumer and all the way down to the average American. Yep, everything goes up. Yep. Um, let's see here. Okay, so inflation is obviously number one, but what do you think, you talked a little bit about the supply chain crisis, maybe it's that, but what do you think is the next largest issue that small businesses are facing right now? Yeah, unfortunately, it's, it's this trifecta, inflation, supply chain, and labor shortage. Uh, again, those three combined are just disastrous for our small businesses. You know, I was uh, able to tour uh, a facility uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, where one of our members has uh, their main headquarters. And it's really in um, what they have. It's actually remodeling business for, for kitchen and baths. And she took me to the back room to show, you know, their warehouse, just stacked line after line after line of orders ready to actually be installed in the homes. She says, unfortunately, she goes, so that part's great, right? The, the top line sales part is great. She goes, but the problem is we don't have the labor to actually install it. And she says, so the problem there now is, is that, you know, I tap those credit lines to buy all of this stuff that you see in front of us, but I'm not getting any cash because until these things are installed, the customers aren't paying for it. And so, mm -hmm. you know, we have, we have a real issue here. And I think this story is repeated a million times over. And, you know, take restaurants, for example, you know, a lot of these restaurants now, because they got hurt so badly during COVID, a lot of times, you know, they, they really were able to take advantage of what we call credit terms. Uh, in some cases, for example, uh, you know, they gave you up to 30 days to pay for those shipments. A lot of times now these restaurants, they're COD, which is cash on demand. So um, it's, a, it's a real different story for our small businesses. And, you know, large businesses, 
aren't, I think they're feeling it, but they can pass that on to the consumer. They can actually absorb it. Small businesses just can't. And they really also, small businesses, don't have the opportunity to take advantage of things like, you know, most favored nation status, which basically gives preferential pricing uh, or have uh, first dibs at any inventory that's available. Um, that's all reserved for large businesses. So on so many different levels, our small businesses continue to get pummeled, which is, again, why we need to do more for these small businesses. And, and this administration is just a complete deaf ear uh, to, the, to our small business across the country. What do you think is going to happen to these small businesses if things continue this way? They're going to stop. I mean, they, look, look, a lot of these businesses are personally financed. Um, you know, it's not like, uh, I, you know, Coca-Cola or, or Delta or any of these businesses that can, you know, go to the capital markets to raise funds. They just don't have the opportunity to do that. I had a small business myself, and I have to tell you, uh, for a good chunk of the first couple of years, I was being, I was financing my own business, whether it's for my savings, whether it was through drawing down, you know, credit cards and cash advances, whether it was drawing down on the equity of my home. I mean, many small businesses, we're talking millions of small businesses probably do the exact same thing. And so, um, you know, if we don't do more for these small businesses in terms of providing them assistance in some way, shape or form, or figure out a way of, of really again, dropping inflation, which frankly, the answer is pretty easy. I mean, on that one is you got to start bringing domestic production up. You just have to. Um, that will start you know, bringing prices down. And then that can at least address some of the inflation factors related to energy, uh, which again, everything uh, you know, takes energy at this point. Um, once you start doing that and then tackling the supply chain issues, I mean, I'm sorry, but uh, Secretary Buttigieg is not doing his job in terms of this. Uh, frankly, all I hear him is a couple of times on talk shows talking about you know, how great he is, but I just don't see any great policies coming from him. Earlier, you were talking about how Republican governors were helping to lead their states through the COVID crisis. And some blue states, as much as 30% of small businesses had to shut down. How do you think that Republicans right now are continuing to grow their states and kind of um, fight back against this trifecta of issues that's coming from Democrat-controlled uh, D.C.? Yeah, that's a really fantastic question. So um, we actually just kicked off, I think I mentioned this earlier, a project called the Great Opportunity Project which is really trying to highlight all the amazing work that all of our governors, we have about 20, you know, 26 uh, Republican governors across the country. Um, there's a lot of focus, obviously, on a couple of key ones, for example, Governor Abbott uh, or Governor DeSantis, you know, Texas and Florida, respectively. But when you look across the country and the 24 other Republican governors out there, there's been some tremendous work from Governor Ducey, Governor Kemp, uh, for example, in Georgia, when you look at uh, uh, Governor Reynolds in Iowa, uh, when you look at South Dakota and Governor Nome there, I mean, just been some amazing work in the areas of tax reduction, for example, uh, uh, educational reform, healthcare reform, labor force training. I mean, what, what we're excited about the Great Opportunity Project, it, it really does a great job of highlighting the stark differences between how Republican-led states uh, function and operate and their successes versus the blue states. Um, and so being able to highlight that, I mean, frankly, COVID, I think, did an amazing job in this particular case of highlighting the distinct differences that exist in terms of policies between the red states and the blue states. And look, history is very clear now on this one. The red states, the governors led by Republicans, excuse me, the states led by Republican governors, they did extremely well. They were able to balance that very, very difficult balancing act of the health of their citizens with the health of their economy. And that's why, frankly, I think we were able to pull out of the pandemic 
in, in the manner that we did. Because remember, it was actually the red states that really had the phenomenal growth out of that. Uh, a lot of the blue states were still suffering because frankly, they had just these draconian measures in place. And in some cases, it took forever for them to actually uh, let them go. Why do you think that the states that recovered the fastest from job losses during COVID were largely led by Republican state legislatures and Republican governors? Yeah, absolutely. Another great question. Look, at the end of the day, those states believed in free enterprise. They believed in capitalism. They believed that the power resides not in D.C., but with the people. Um, you know, and, and if you look at Governor Youngkin, for example, look what happened in Virginia. There's a reason why he won Virginia, because he, first of all, there was a positive message there that really was focused on what you and I would like to call federalism, which I think the majority of the American public probably thinks that stands for more government, which is really, quite frankly, the opposite. So that's why we want to show what federalism really is, which is putting the power back with the hands of the people in the states. That's what our founding fathers uh, believed in from day one for this country, that the power shouldn't reside in Washington, D.C., that the power resides with our governors and the citizens and the states. And so I think we really see, uh, you know, we, we saw through the, the COVID, uh, you know, through the two years of that pandemic and then the post-pandemic, uh, the recovery that was able to happen because of these red state policies, which really was lower regulation, lower taxes, and frankly, in many cases, just letting the, you know, getting the government out of the way so that entrepreneurs, small businesses, and frankly, the American public could take care of getting back on their own two feet. Because that's the one thing about, you know, I love about this country, and I think everybody who is in this country loves about us too. We're resilient. We're a resilient people. Uh, our businesses are resilient. Our, you know, our small businesses are resilient. Our, our citizens are, are resilient. Um, and frankly, if the government just got out of the way, I think in many cases, we'd see uh, a lot of this recovery happen uh, even faster and maybe even in the blue states. But again, they were pretty much their own worst enemies. OK, so what would you say to the people who strive to undercut capitalism and the American dream by promoting big government socialism instead? Yeah, I guess just ask yourselves the question, why do you think people come to this country in the numbers that they do? Why do we have millions of immigrants at the southern border coming from Mexico and other countries flowing through those borders to the United States. It's not because this country sucks, right? It's because it's beautiful. It's a wonderful country where truly you can live that American dream, right? I actually came from a very, very poor household. Um, on trash day, for example, my mother and I used to go around collecting aluminum cans and newspapers. My mom was a housekeeper. My dad was a tailor. And, you know, fast forward to the, you know, my most recent years here uh, at Job Prayers Network, for example, I was standing next to the president of the United States uh, working on legislation, working on on things that were making a difference for this country. I mean, what an amazing, amazing story in terms of, you know, America and what it is. And so, look, there's a very real reason why, like I said, people come here because it's a great country and free enterprise and capitalism has been proven to be the leading way across the globe to really tackle poverty. When you look at, for example, under the Trump administration, how many people were pulled out of poverty because of the great policies put in place by the Trump administration in terms of lower taxation, lower regulation, really getting the government out of the way. Um, 6.7 million people got pulled out of poverty. And when you look at um, you know, the proposals by the Democrats on raising minimum wage, for example, to $15, uh, the CBO estimates on that, the, the Congressional Budget Office estimates on that, is only about 675,000 people being pulled out of poverty. So just 
telling people, here we go, here's some money, it doesn't make the difference that Democrats believe it makes. It's about having uh, an environment, an economic environment that really promotes capital, capitalism, promotes the health uh, of the economy, and frankly, rewards entrepreneurs for taking a chance. Um, like I said, I was a small business owner myself. I put everything on the line and I was rewarded. And I'm really happy with that. And you know what we need to do is to make sure that a small business can become a large business. I have nothing against large businesses. Unfortunately, some of our current largest businesses have gone a little lefty here and a little woke on us, uh, which is a shame. It's, look at Disney. It's a shame for the shareholders uh, when you look at the value that's been lost since they've kind of taken these positions. But you know, outside of that, I've never met a small business owner that their biggest wish is to stay small. They want to grow. They want to be the next Microsoft. They want to be the next Bill Gates, right? And so we need to make sure that we put and leave an environment of free enterprise and capitalism that really allows for that and really allows for the American dream to, to thrive and to flourish. That's awesome. Okay, well, thanks so much. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today? Uh, no, I think uh, that's about it. Just, you know, go capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you to everybody for listening. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to. And always remember state politics have an impact that's bigger than you think.